millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. World Superbikes has been stateside this weekend for the only time in 2018. Laguna Seca, what a glorious, glorious venue it is. But I must start this week's Full Throttle Bikes podcast with a question for James Hayden, who's alongside me, Greg Haynes. What are you eating, James? Because it looks like you've got something <laughs> fantastic in this commentary box. What is that, a choc- Is it? It's always a chocolate brownie. It was just, brownie. Uh, quick, you're not meant to share the secrets, but uh, it was just brought into us, so I thought I would... Uh, partaking a quick ah, before the end of the race actually I saw the door open in the corner of my eye I wondered why that was so that was the chocolate brownie um, entering was it yeah no, now, now it all ended I thought I had plenty of time I didn't realise you were going to start immediately so <laughs> Try uh, we don't mess around here do we at Eurosport right our summary then in Outlap this is what happened so, quickly, what happened, James? Uh, qualifying, Jazz Davis stuck it on pole, didn't it? It was his first pole of the season. We were expecting a Kawasaki pole, so that was a good lap for Chaz Davis. Then we went on to the races, and Jonathan Ray took advantage of a mistake for Chaz at the corkscrew, although, in hindsight, Chaz reckoned it was probably going to be second anyway, and third place went to Alex Lowe's. Another great podium for him. Sunday's race, we've just come off air. In fact, uh, in the London studio, Matt Roberts... Shaky Byrne, Leon Haslam and Christian Eden are still actually on air. In fact, you can hear Matt Roberts coming through our, uh, our headphones. Listen. From 11 o'clock on Eurosport. They've just come back from a commercial break, but uh, we've got to turn Matt down, I'm afraid. We've just turned him down. Sorry about that, Matt, if you're listening to the podcast, but uh, we need to concentrate on what we're doing. Um, Eugene Laverty, first of all, though, James, race two, glorious race. He started from pole position. It was the eighth different pole sitter from eight races, eight rounds this year. Um... The big question was, could he win it? Could he get it on the podium? And he's done it. I feel so pleased for him. I do. And it was, we knew there was a, a good chance of that after starting from pole position with you know, Lowe's, um, Ray and uh, Davis back on row three. Yeah. But he still had a lot of work to do. He's not been great in the opening laps. And he, but he got the whole shot. He got out in front and he found his rhythm. He could have done with the other guys just <laughs> being held up for another lap or two. But... Um, even then, so Johnny passed him and, and crept away and, and Chaz passed him, but then he still had the Yamahas beating right down his neck down to 0.7 a second, lap on lap. But he kept his rhythm, he kept his focus, neat, tidy. The Aprilia's looking like a really nice package on it and he's got that beautiful style on it as well. And yeah. he just kept it together and uh, you know, it was a really, really great race and he gave them all their, their first podium. So it was brilliant. Jazz Davis, another second place. He scored 40 points uh, this weekend. That's another, I've just dropped my pen, another very strong performance from Chaz Davis. They needed that though, didn't they? I mean, they've had a nightmare. Imola was a real nightmare. They were slower than last year. Donington was terrible, really affected by the rain on Friday. But Bruno, they looked in a little bit with the race two podium, you've got to say. Uh, but they're back, finally. I don't know quite what's yeah. happened, but they're back. I also, it looked to me a little bit like their heads had dipped for a fraction. Yeah. And I think that, you know, they kind of picked it back up. They've... They've worked hard to, to 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 just get the bike so he's a bit happier. And he yeah, he, he did a good race. He lost the second race. He just didn't get you know, when Johnny's gone through, Johnny was a bit more ruthless on those opening laps and I managed to carve ahead while um while Chaz was, you know, still had to get past the Yamahas and the and the Aprilia. And by that time Johnny was gone. 
he's he wasn't quite as consistent as Johnny yesterday in the race and and that cost him and but he's got to be very very happy the bike looked nice his two strong finishes and Johnny Ray looked like a very difficult man to uh you know to beat around here now a big talking point of the weekend was actually something that happened on Eurosport it was a VT we ran on the run-up to the race on Saturday. It's generated so much talk on social media. Members of the Kawasaki team have even been contacting us to ask where can they see this uh, feature. It's on the Eurosport Twitter feed. Let's have a listen in. There's a bit of music here as well because it was played out on the TV. But if you haven't seen it, have a listen to this. This is what was said after that uh, infamous coming together at Bruno a couple of weeks ago. Jonathan Ray is out of the race on the third lap of the second encounter here at Bruneau. It's always been tagged and that was his teammate Tom Sykes. Kawasaki has pressed the self-destruction button here at Bruneau this afternoon. You know, in the chicane going up the hill, I had already looked at it the lap before. There was, um, you know, I, could, I went straight through, creating a huge margin, big gap, and enough space for him to cut it back if, uh, if it wasn't going to stick, you know. I went you know, wide, and then as I was picking up my bike, I got completely sideswiped by Tom. That's it, on tact, and I went down. So it was really frustrating because from, uh, you know, from my seat was, uh, was a sideswipe and, you know, from behind, so could be completely avoided uh, on Tom's behalf. To be made out that could have somehow been my fault was strange because I was in, in front. You know, we went to race control, had our point of view, and they deemed it racing accident. It was like, move on. To be honest, I could really um, say a few things and, and put Jonathan in his place on this one. Um, at the end of the day, I, I feel he made a mistake. He entered the corner 14 kilometres an hour faster than what I'd done on his uh, you know, super pole lap with the race tyre. So there was nothing from my part to it. I was on the racing line getting on with my race. And uh, Jonathan tried to re-enter the racing line from somewhere from the grandstand and uh, yeah didn't didn't check the course was clear you know Jonathan went to uh, race control and you know race direction and they have more cameras than anybody sat at home and they have a lot more cameras than Jonathan Ray's uh, fans have so you know nothing was done um, which says a lot about the incident really you could talk about it all day you know there's two points of view it's my point of view and his point of view I can respect his point of view but he should respect mine you know and kind of move on it was contact. It's like, get over it. Jonathan was famously fuming uh, when he found out that you held him responsible for the crash, um, and he thought that you owed him an apology. Yeah, well, you know, arrogance is one thing, I suppose, and uh, that's not the case. I, don't, I didn't owe an apology. Like I said, I was in front at the time on the racing line, minding my own business. All I can say is I was very disappointed from... Um, such a talented rider like Jonathan to uh, I've seen the replay of him at the side of the track which is probably embarrassing for him now looking back if, I, if I'm being honest and um, disappointed to see his comments you know um, he got very personal with a few journalists and really uh, tried to degrade me as a rider which shows the uh, the level of his mentality I don't need to come to work and be friends with any of these guys I've got my best friends at home I know how much at stake when you win races or you lose races and my inner circle's tight and you know him or his team's not part of that so I, I could care less what anyone thought of me in importance to me the you know what the my fans think you know what the you know the people I respect think but um, yeah it's 
As long as we can be respectful and work together with Kawasaki, it's fine. The bad feeling in this team is, goes back from when you and Jonathan first started racing together. And um, what's the atmosphere like now? Yeah, it's strange, really. The, the history goes back a long way, and um, not between me and Jonathan, but you know, also my teammates at Kawasaki, which is a shame. You know, I had a great relationship with uh, John Lascaux and uh, Loris Bass starting out, and. Uh, yeah, I put it down to one man, Perry Ariba. Um, it's just the, the way he goes about business is terrible and uh, unfortunately he cannot be tamed inside this environment and it's a big shame because there's no need for it. It's, uh, it's a team at the end of the day. There we go, James. Now, ugh, I mean, there's some really scathing remarks there. I don't want to bang on about it too much now because I know we've spoken about it a lot in commentary. I know Kawasaki will be keen to move on. Um, but I just thought we should talk about it because I think everything seems to have affected Tom Sykes' race weekend. If I'm wrong, Tom, I apologise. But I don't know, I can't find another explanation. He's been so far off the pace this weekend. Yeah, I think... Um... It's been a big weekend for him after, you know, after Bruno were the coming together and some harsh words. And then, uh, you know, as you heard in the interview there, you know, picking certain members of the team and, you know, he's very unhappy. That's obviously quite yeah. obvious. And, and for me, it's almost certain that he's going elsewhere. He's not staying mm. there. And, and that's a breakdown of a, a long relationship. You've got to remember he's had, you know, he's had 250 races in his career, 220 with Kawasaki. 34 wins, 106 podiums, and this is his worst weekend by far. He'd had eight consecutive podiums at Laguna Seca until this weekend. And wow, yeah, I didn't think he, about um, that. Crikey, yeah. He's he's had a nightmare here, and and you you don't you don't bite the hand that feeds you. So you know when someone's saying stuff like that and taking it personal, you know they're unhappy, and you know there's a a parting of ways, and 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 that's always a, a shame in one way. One of a world championship, he's half a point off another one, but in a in another way, sometimes there's a natural end to things. And, and maybe, actually, he needs a, a rejuvenation because, to be honest, I can't believe he's stuck there as long as he as long as long he has. Yeah. Because let's face it, since Johnny's got there, Johnny has has kicked his ass basically. Yeah. And, um, and, and Tom is such Tom's a team. brilliant... He came into Tom's team. Yeah, and he's it? a brilliant, brilliant rider, but he has not had an answer for, for Johnny. And... Really, I think maybe a new challenge will, will do him some good. You know, he's still a world-class rider. You know, he's still a race-winning um, rider. So it's, sometimes it will be the, be the thing to do, and I think it will probably do his head some good because I can't imagine being no. be, being no. beaten week in, week out by your teammate. And so, you know, it's something... It, I mean, it. he needs a move. It's happened. They're harsh words, and, you know, almost certainly we're going to see someone new at Kawasaki. I'm just thinking as well, I don't know whether they did anything in the paddock that we didn't see, but yeah. certainly from the pictures on the television that we've been commentating on, we didn't see a single celebration with the team of his 250th race start, did we? Normally they've got banners out and T-shirts for things like that. Nothing to do. No, that's a, a good point. I mean, I don't know if we missed something, and uh, and that is a good point. And again, but yeah, just a dreadful, he was non-existent in that race. He, he went back and... But it seems to be the story of his season this year as well. Lots of little problems and mm, people are mm. saying, well, oh, Kawasaki giving him a bad bike and Johnny a good bike. But that's not the case at all. They're, you know, they get identical bikes. So it's either a set-up thing. A lot of people think he fiddles with the bike a bit too much and is always changing it when Johnny kind of just gets on and riding it. The other thing, though, and I think this is where most of it comes from, he's not happy. No. He's not happy in his head. And you want to be a fast rider, you need your head in a good place. And I don't think his is right now.
And he said he had a problem with a tyre on Saturday. And he may well have done, he may well have done, but I can't imagine that happened twice. It was very unlucky if it did. It just makes you think it's to do with what's happening, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's you know you can have a, a, an unlucky tyre sometimes, but you know getting a couple of two rogue tyres in, in two races at the same weekend is mm. nearly unheard of. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on. Rider of the weekend. So, James, you gave it to Johnny Ray in commentary, so I guess you're still going with Johnny Ray now, aren't you? But Rider of the Day, you, you've had three different names, actually, this weekend. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that um, I think you have to give it to, to Jonathan Ray because he it was the way he's gone about it. He is so fast, but yet so consistent. He doesn't make mistakes, doesn't drop a couple of tenths here, a couple of times there. He, he is banging in the same laps, and it makes him so hard to race against because mm-hmm. he gets any sort of jump he's gone because you can't take it back in because he's hovering around the lap record so you can't take half a second out of him you might take a tenth here a tenth there but he doesn't make any mistakes that consistency and his the way he rides it the aggressiveness is the way he can just pass and just play out a pass anywhere and yeah he's smooth he's clever he's cunning he's he is such a complete racer right now and two wins in two complete different ways, one off the front row of the grid, one off row three. <laughs> you just can't, it was so impressive and he looks he looks like he's just stepped out a hotel <laughs> lobby. You know, you wouldn't know he'd done two <laughs> Superbike races. So yeah. really, really impressive. Got to go for him. Yesterday, I went for, for Chaz. I thought it was a good, strong race. It was back to his self. You know, he led it for a long while. He got pole position. and But he just couldn't quite, again, he had a couple of little mistakes where he lost a few tenths. And, and then at the end of the race, he's one and a half seconds back. And, and that's the difference. Today, it had to go to Eugene, rider of the day, because his first podium. And I just really liked the way he's looked all weekend. I like the way he's been coming on you know, these last few races. And, also, it'd be nice for him to join the party again. You know, he's a rider that's had a lot of, you know, that's his, what's that, 34th podium today. And, you know, he's had 13 wins. So it's, it'd be, it's lovely to see him kind of join those riders again, hopefully open the floodgates and open his confidence for many more now. You know, hopefully he can be another guy that's always going to be fighting out the front and, and giving Jonathan some more competition. And congratulations to everybody. We've said it already, haven't we, in the broadcast today, but everybody in the Milwaukee team, their first podium for Sean Muir racing. I mean, Sean Muir himself, he's a nice guy. He's a super nice guy. I've been a big fan of him over the years and the teams that he's put together and the way he goes about it and and how nice the bikes are and just how well those sort of things work. And it's um, it's been lovely, you know, lovely to see. And, And really that Aprilia as well, it's... It's quite an old motorcycle. It's, yes, it's had little subtle updates, but it's uh, the, basically the same package that it's been for a while, and it's still such a great motorcycle, and it's a, a lovely thing to ride. It's mm-hmm. one of my favourites. Thank you very much, everybody, for all your tweets across the weekend, and uh, in particular the tweets you've been sending in as well. I'm glad I mentioned the podcast in the race today because you've been sending in some great questions. We're going to go through them and check that now, uh, but we'll come to the star tweet afterwards because that's why we're selecting a tweet to read out to you and answer. Uh, we'll go to Tech Talk, but we're going to replace Tech Talk this week with a silly season feature because our man, Charlie Hiscott, who we're looking at at a screen in the commentary box now, he's just uh, saying goodbye pretty much to the guys in the studio in London. But uh, he gave us a great report, didn't he, earlier on, James, in the programme uh, about silly season. I don't know how, Charlie does get some great info. He does, you know, he knows a lot of people and, yeah, I love listening to his stuff. He's yeah. asked the right questions, he's probing, he's intelligent, he knows the sport inside out and it was a... It was a really interesting feature. Yeah, and let's have a listen. This is what's going on according to uh, the man, the oracle, Charlie Hiscott in The Silly Season. Charlie. 
this paddock has gone a bit crazy over the last 24 hours, 48 hours. The rumours are rife, but they are just rumours. So everything I tell you now is not based on a thread of evidence. It's just what I'm hearing. Now, most of it revolves around Tom Sykes. Obviously, he did a fairly scathing interview about Perry Reber and Jonathan Ray yesterday. We all assume that he's found another ride, but nobody really knew where it was or who it was going to be with. But we heard a rumour a while ago that Yamaha are going to start another superbike team, and it's going to be the GRT Lucas Mahias. They're going to come up into superbikes next year and run a two-bike team. Now, it looks like Sykes is going to be on one of those bikes, and we think that he might be joined by an American rider called Cameron Bobier. Now, that would make a lot of sense to get an American... They want an American rider in this championship, and Cameron will replace... Jake Gagné. I think Gagné's out of a job for sure at the end of the year. Cameron Boubier would come in and go next to Tom Sykes. So that would make a lot of sense. That will change things as well because Andrea Dossolet, who is the boss of Yamaha, he also has a very good relationship with Marco Malandri. And there are rumours about that Malandri could leave Ducati and go into that team. So again, there's lots and lots of bits of a jigsaw, but none of them really fit. So that leaves teams like Milwaukee. They're talking about potentially going to BMW, running a two-man BMW team next year. But again, they don't know what's going to happen yet, and they're also stalling for time. What's happened is Carmelo Ethbaleta, the boss of MotoGP or the boss of Dorna, he has said that he wants MotoGP riders who aren't in MotoGP anymore, like Scott Redding, um, Bautista, even Morbidelli, he wants them coming into this paddock. And what that means is, is that some of the smaller teams like Milwaukee, Red Bull, Honda, they might have a real pick of riders at the end of this season. So everybody's stalling to see what happens. It looks like the Yamaha guys at Pata, Lowe's and Vandermark, they look like they're going to stay where they are. Not had official confirmation, but I think we'll probably get that in Mizano. And the other interesting thing that I found out this weekend is to do with Bradley Ray, the English rider. Now, there was a, a rumour at the beginning of the weekend that Stuart Hicken was going to bring Bradley Ray on a one-bike team over to this championship for next year. But what's given that a load more reinforcement is it looks like he, they might have sponsorship from these guys, Yoshi Mura. Now, that would make a lot of sense, actually, because to bring a one-man team into this championship is a lot easier than bringing in a big two-man team. To get Bradley Ray over here on a Suzuki, they, they're looking for young Brits in this championship not old Brits, and actually he's just the person. So although that, again, is just a massive rumour, there could be some truth in that. We'll find out towards the end of the season. Now, there are some other changes. Obviously, if Marco left Ducati, who would take that ride? That would leave the door open for a Scott Redding, a Eugene Laverty, anyone. It's just the most weird, silly season I've ever come across because although... All the positions are in place. Nobody really wants to jump. And we thought that when Jonathan Ray signed, everybody would just slot in behind. But that's definitely not the case. I'll keep you updated if I hear anything else. But like I said, the rumour mill is going crazy here. There we go. Well, there's a lot to uh, digest there. One thing I'll quickly add to that is what is going to happen? Where's Tom Sykes going to go? Where is he going to go? Well, I I can't see him. You know, some people are saying, will he go back to British Superbike stuff? I just can't see that. And I think he's still... Because he's established as a world class, world champion rider in in world superbikes, I think there'll be you know there'll be lots of teams that will want to get his name on a bit of paper, and I think that you know whether will we see him in his second Yamaha squad coming through as um, as Beans mentioned, will we see him in a just I I think that you know he's going to do everything he can to try and stay within world superbikes, and I think that world superbikes will will keep him in the paddock. I'm sure. Yeah, you'd be surprised when he's a world champion, multiple race winner as well okay here we go we've been looking at the tweets here is the star tweet Ian Walker thanks very much for sending this one in to us to Speedy Hayden and Greg Haynes TV why is Sykes having all of these problems do you think Kawasaki sabotaging their own rider question mark Ray's not having any problems is he has Tom's head gone well 
he may well have done certainly this weekend, James. I think yeah. I mean, I, Ian's one, got a point. One thing I can say is certainly Kawasaki are giving those two the, the same bikes. There's no sabotage. There's no, you no. know, they're a professional company and they want both their riders to do well, even if one's going elsewhere. They're yeah. going to not, they're not, that, that would never, ever happen. Um, you're right, Ray's not having the problems. And so really, you've got to say it's coming down to, to Tom. He's not happy where he is suddenly. And when your head's not in the right place, you're not fast. Ian, thanks very much for that, and thanks to everyone for sending tweets in across the weekend. Checkered flag then, James, first of all, it's an absolute pleasure working with you. I don't know when yeah. we're going to work together again later this season. Um, I'm sure we will at some point. Yeah, I'm sure we'll we will. Straight back at you. We enjoyed it. <laughs> thanks very much. But James Whittam, I hope you're listening to the show, and I know you're watching the races. We are missing you, and we want you back as soon as possible. He is an amazing guy. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, absolutely, James. I'm only keeping your seat warm for five minutes, you know that. We can't wait to see you back and hear you back. And Freddie will be with us. Freddie Spencer will be back with us. Freddie, also a pleasure working with you. He'll be back with us at Mizano in a couple of weeks' time. We will have a podcast next week as well. Don't know what we're going to talk about yet in that one on the run-up to Mizano. Uh, but uh, we've got a bit of a break in BSB and World Superbikes, a weekend off. There is a MotoGP race happening, isn't there, next weekend? They're at Assen. And then we've got Knock Hill... BSB and Mizano World Superbikes. It is a superbike full weekend on Eurosport, all live and exclusive on Eurosport 2 and the Eurosport player. Just before we go, James, your final thoughts. Uh, Jonathan Ray, championship-wise, it's looking pretty good now. 75 points ahead. 75 points. I mean, so far, it means he can not do one meeting and not do the second race of, <laughs> of another. So, yeah. you know, the, it's, uh, it's an incredible lead to had. And, and more, he's just... Rather than people getting closer, he just seems to be getting stronger and stronger. And the points that he's always been good on, mm. as in getting in front and just finding his rhythm, and these great big long race runs he does in practice, he seems to be getting just sharper and sharper at those. And no one else has the consistency there. Even if they're on their own lap time, you know, even if it's a lap time that's 0.4 of a second slower, yeah. no one can replicate no. a lap time like he can. And that is why currently he is one of the greatest super riders we've ever seen. And we do, we know, we do look at Twitter. We get some criticism sometimes for overpraising Jonathan yeah. Ray. I mean, but listen, it's like, like, do you overpraise Marquez, Doohan, you know, yeah. Dembe's, uh, you know, Rossi? It's there's always going to be people knocking on wood, but actually, it's because <laughs> he's doing a job so well. And when you know it, I know that job. You know, I've done it. I've been inside out. I was in it for twenty years. And when you can see someone who is mastering it and doing yeah. it yeah. so well, but yet still, he's not a boy. My ears, the way he rides it, and the aggressiveness, and the movement, and the subtlety about what he does. But it's just—it's a—you can't gush enough about someone that's doing something so difficult and making it look so easy. Yeah, and believe us, if we ever have a mistake made by Jonathan Ray or something like that, we will be honest about that as well, just as we always are. We'll try our best anyway, won't we? Well, we'll have a no, go. We will. I mean, we 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 say it as we you know we call it as we say it. Yeah. See it, rather. <laughs> that was Cat's phrase. Long say, <laughs> say what you say. If you see it, say it. That's what Roy Walker used to say on Cat's phrase. That's what we'll be doing at Mizano and Knock Hill when we are back in action. But we'll be back with another podcast. Don't yet know who's going to be on it next week. It's all part of the fun. But let's sign off with Eugene Laverty back on the podium. Congratulations, Eugene. And we'll speak to you all next week. Thanks, James. Thanks a lot. Yeah, so nice to get that put in. We've been talking about it. It's been coming... Uh, yeah, the last few rounds have been getting closer and closer since uh, my injury has just been getting back into the swing of things. I think we were like 10th at Emel and 6th and 4th and finally we're here in 3rd and back in the mix. But yeah, I'm happy uh, for myself but more happy for the team. It's their first podium and it's uh, great to, to award them with that finally. 
Hi everyone, hope you're enjoying Full Throttle so far this week. This is Greg Haynes talking to you from London on an amazing English afternoon on the Monday after Laguna Seca. Well, already today we've had amazing hits on a Facebook video that the Eurosport social media team uploaded on Saturday night. 140,000 people have watched it already and this is with Shaky Byrne. It was recorded in the Eurosport studio before he went on air with Christian Eden and Leon Haslam and of course our very own Matt Roberts across the weekend making an amazing recovery. I couldn't believe it when I heard he was in the studio with the Eurosport guys this weekend and this is what Shaky had to say. The quality is not quite the best because it was a Facebook live but even so it's a really good insight into just what Shaky's been going through over the last few weeks. Hi folks, is uh, Shaky and I in the Eurosport studio ready to go live this evening with World Superbikes from Laguna Seca, but first of all, obviously, I mean, there shouldn't be any problems with your pictures tonight at home because we've brought some extra antennas into the studio and great to see Shaky, as I'm sure you'll agree. Uh, not quite up on your feet, well, up on your feet, Shaky, not 100%, obviously. Everybody's been worried about you the last few weeks. There's not been a great deal of information about what happened to you in the, in the crash at Snetterton, but uh, you're back here with us tonight and back on the train, as it were. Yeah, no, I mean, it feels like... Uh... It was like a real long time ago the accident you know and i feel like i've been kind of sat around doing nothing forever and you know originally the plan was uh for me to fly Let out me a bit forward so you don't have to that's the thing it's a little bit awkward um my spine's gonna be so mobile by the time i get this yeah, thing off it's call. unbelievable yeah um no i was supposed to fly out to to laguna for you guys and uh, and do the show from there but mm. obviously um this happened and there's a bit of a trauma and you know, risking blood clots and stuff like that while you're flying is not, not a great idea. So, um, happy to be here in the studio this weekend. It's like, uh, it's like the first step to getting going, really. So, um, yeah, it's going to be good. And I'm looking forward to watching the racing. It's always good to, to come and watch it and sit and talk about it. It's about, to be fair, the only thing I know anything about anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, it'll be, it'll be good to get going again. Good to get you out of the house. Tell us about this contraption you've got on then. Well, this is uh, this is a new model that's been uh, it's been designed for mobile phone signals. So what you do is you get your phone like this and you kind of stick it up there, and it doesn't matter where you are, you get like you don't get four G, you get like seven G. It's absolutely incredible. But uh, no, this is um, this is like a, a body brace thing, and, and essentially it's bolted into my head. I don't know if you can see, but there's two bolts there, and then there's two bolts around the side. Um, and those those four bolts are bolted to the to these rods that go down to my body, and that that holds my my neck like really really still. So basically, I can't turn my neck. But um, I saw my my surgeon on Tuesday, and he said to me, yeah, "I've got to keep it on for another five or six weeks." But then we're going to go back, do a CT scan, and see if the neck's healing. I mean, essentially, the back's been you know Meccano set back together. You know, it's all screwed and plated and and fixed. So mm. it's as it's as good as done, if you know what I mean. Um, but the neck's a bit of a different story. That's taken a while. So we'll go back in five or six weeks, and if the neck's strong enough to have this taken off, the surgeon's going to take it off for me. But it's quite funny because uh, in in his words, he said, uh, you know, every time your head moves, you're going to feel like your head's going to fall off. And the funny thing is, like my my, my body's braced or my neck's braced at the moment with my with my body and. You know, you go in a car with somebody and even if they're not driving fast, they go around the corner and I kind of feel like I'm like doing this, like going out the window. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a weird sensation. But listen, there were there were other possible outcomes for the crash that were far worse than having to wear this for three months. So I'm happy to be back. Everything's working and just waiting to heal up now. Mm. 
Hopefully that won't be too long, mate. We've got, um, obviously, a few of you guys at home been sending your questions in uh, to Shaky and... Uh, like I said, there, there obviously there wasn't probably for understandable reasons a lot of information at the time when you crashed. A lot of people actually don't know what happened. We've got one here from Graham Blair saying just that. Um, hello, Graham. Info on the crash. It's um, it's been little to nothing. What happened? Well, essentially, what happened was um, I'd gone out to. Sorry, I've left my phone on. How unprofessional was that? <laughs> it's, it's just a little notification that we've now gone live on Facebook on Eurosport. <laughs> <laughs> just so that I know. Um, essentially, what happened is I, I pulled out of the pits and the team had put new brake pads in. Um, I was really looking forward to to this Nesson race weekend because I think I've won like eight of the last ten races there, and I really enjoyed the circuit. Love the layout. You know, so it's a great place to go racing. So. Team said to me, right, you've got new brake pads in front and rear, so just go out, go steady for a couple of laps, and then you know start chipping away. And as we get closer, we'll, we'll do some work. So I said, right, okay. So I went out of the pit lane and done my my sort of first lap, and you know just sort of scrubbing the tyres in, having a look around, getting a bit of a feel. I always go out last, as you probably notice at a, a BSB weekend. I never like to be the first person out mm. on the track. I always go out last. So you know I'm very conscious of, of keeping out of everybody's way if there's going to be people that have already done a lap or two. So. Yeah, just kind of looking around and scrubbing the pads a little bit and then I came across the start finish to to start essentially what was my my first flying lap didn't break too late for turn one got in absolutely fine down into turn two same sort of sensation and then I came out of turn two um which is a, a hairpin left hand a right hander and then we short shift the third gear I flipped the bike left into I think it's called Hamilton's but when I did the rear of the bike came around really really violently on me off off the throttle and I managed to catch it, but when it um, when it sort of snapped straight, it snapped straight in a really, really big way and almost like turned me the opposite way to the corner. So oh, yeah. I had a tiny bit of tarmac to, to scrub some speed off, but then I went onto the grass. Mm. Um, and once you're on the grass, you know, it was a dry day and I did get some speed scrubbed off and I did get some turning done, but I never scrubbed enough speed nor turned enough to, to avoid going into the barrier. So. Unfortunately, I had to jump off the bike right at the last minute and, and just kind of went head first into the barrier and sort of peeled myself up like that and then mm. bounced off and, yeah, after that it was all good night. I was mm. asleep, so. Mm. Um, that brings us to the next question, actually, which is from uh, Mark Clark, who says, do your leathers have an airbag system? And if so, did it activate when you had your crash? Yes and yes. They, um, Alpine Stars have, a, have an airbag suit and... Uh, you know the whole of your chest and, and and everything is is protected and you know fair play to to, to showy helmets and to alpine stars because you know it was a massive impact into into a tire wall essentially and uh yeah the, the crash helmet done exactly what it needed to do the airbag deployed and you know thankfully we're, we're still here to to be able to thank them yeah and who knows what how bad it might have been without the airbag yeah that's, <laughs> that's yeah another thing um all right, how's the healing going? Uh, does this oxygen therapy really help? Like oxygen therapy, one of various um, sort of procedures that you're currently going through to, to try and fix up. I think that, um, you know, as a racer, you're really, really impatient and, you know, you're kind of a little bit blase about everything, you know. It's like people speak to you and they see this contraption on you and they're like, oh, what have you done? What have you done? It's, oh, I just, you know, broke my neck and broke my back and broke my chest and broke my ribs and broke my collarbone and <laughs> bruised my lungs and had pneumonia and, and whatever else. But you kind of like, you don't, you don't mean to be blasé, but it's it's just what happened, you know? And ultimately you've got to deal with it and, and try and get yourself fixed in the best possible way. So, um, 
I've always gone to a guy called Brian Simpson in Ipswich who uses laser therapy and magnetic therapy to, um, you know, to try and heal broken bones or repair broken bones. And I go to the hyperbaric chamber because essentially what that does is, um, you know, when you go in an aeroplane and you go up in the air and on the way back down, your ears pop and stuff. Well, when you go in the chamber, it's like the opposite way. So they put you down, essentially, like below, below the ground, like going into the sea like a diver. And then uh, sort of force feed you with just oxygen and obviously oxygen has red blood cells in it and mm. red blood cells carry calcium and carry all the good things that you need to, to heal up. So mm. you go down to this depth um, and then you take in all this oxygen and, and the theory is that it, it helps to, to repair everything. So listen, if somebody said to me, you've got to stand upside down and do 15 press-ups while you're there and that'll make you fixed tomorrow, you'd have a go at doing that, you know, mm. because you just want to be fixed and you want to just mm. try and come back. Mm. You would do that. Most riders would probably do that. Most normal people would lay on the back, I think, until, until the doctor said it's all right to stand up. I think that's what I'd do. Um, all right, here's Aidan Murphy with the question we all want to know, uh, and I think we'd agree with that. Are you coming back? It's Right now, unfortunately, it's a really, really difficult question to answer. You know, in my head, of course I'm coming back because I'm a, I'm a racer and I still want to win races, and, you know, it's not like uh, it's not like I got to a point where I couldn't win or anything like that, or, you know, I was having a... A particularly bad season in fact the season compared to last year was actually quite a good start mm. um you know i'm really really happy with the bike and you know there was a few developments to come throughout the season which i was looking forward to getting and yeah i wanted to come back and, and try and be a, a seven-time champion and do the do the triple like neil mckenzie but um the problem at the moment is my neck um you know like i said my back's fixed that's not an issue um you know hopefully at some point they'll take all the metal work out because never a good idea to leave metal work in wherever you have it i had some uh, some metal work in my leg in there because uh, i broke my leg quite badly a, a couple of years ago but the problem is if you leave metal work in you know your your bones really really strong in that area so if you have an accident you know the, the the pressure or something has to go somewhere else so at the moment as you can imagine my spine's kind of like a bit of a meccano set here and my neck's on top of it and with the neck not being healed at the moment and the spine being super strong because of this uh, yeah. this metal work another crash at the moment would be uh mm. well the doctor described it as um paralysis being a great outcome so mm. you know that's not that's not particularly uh what's the word encouraging yeah <laughs> encouraging it's not the sort of thing that i think oh, it'd be great to like wander around in a wheelchair for the rest of my life just because i'm so stubborn that i want to get back on a bike but at the same time i do want to get back on a bike and you know i don't i'm not upset with a bike i'm not upset with racing i'm not upset about my accident you know, ultimately it's been 18 years since the last time I was properly in the hospital. Yes, I've broken some bones, but it's like an occupational hazard. If you're a chef, you're going to cut your finger at some point. And if you're a builder, you're going to drop a brick on your toe or whatever. But, you know, I'm a motorbike racer and it's a dangerous game. You're going to get hurt at some point. You know, the odds are that it's going to happen. So, um, yeah, it, it is what it is. But I think at the moment we've got to wait and see how the healing process goes with the neck because that's the, that's the problem at the moment. Mm. It's actually... Um, right up near the near your teeth line so it's actually right up in in the top of your head the very very top bone or the top two bones are quite badly smashed because when my head went in the impact was quite strong so it's essentially done that and it needs to be like that um because if it's like that and you took another knock your spinal cord and the, and the breathing tube and everything goes down in this part here so if you took another knock as i said it's uh mm. paralysis would be a great outcome and i don't fancy paralysis no so we'll see so it's basically there is no decision yet and it's going to be a while before you're in a position to actually make that decision of um ultimately i think i think in six weeks time 
um, when we go for a CT scan, we'll get an idea of, you know, the, the lady that asked the question about hyperbaric chamber and stuff. Yeah. You know, everything that I've been doing will will be seen in five or six weeks' time when I have this CT scan. Mm. Um, you know, if the bone grows good or it's calcified well and it's joined up around the front and stuff, then we're on the road to sort of, you know, potentially getting back on a bike. But the problem is, you know, I've got a, a young family and, you know, mouth to feed and stuff. I can't afford to go out for the sake of being stubborn and, you know, try and ride a bike again. And, you know, if your neck's open and, and sort of, you know, snap them two pipes, that's it, it's game over. And, mm. uh you know, we've, we've done a bit of winning, we've had a bit of fun, so we'll, uh, mm. we'll, we'll we'll see what the doctor says and, and take it from there. Take a view on it at that stage. Um, okay, here's uh, one from Dan Jessup, who says, if retirement due to injury was the only option, would you consider another role within the paddock? And if so, what would you look to do? I want to be a wingman. <laughs> you already are. <laughs> you already are. <laughs> um, listen, uh, racing motorbikes is all I've known for the last sort of 20 odd years. Um, I've successfully avoided any type of uh, work for the last, <laughs> last 20-odd years. And, and to be fair, motorcycle racing is it's, it's kind of built into me. It's all I know. It's what I love. And, yeah, for sure, I'd love to, um, you know, I'd love to help some other riders. I'd love to be a part of it. But I really enjoy this TV work. I like doing it. I enjoy having a, a valid opinion, you know. It's, it's, it's one thing to... You know, if you ask me about horse racing or you ask me about football, I'm absolutely clueless. So if we were sitting there talking about it now, you'd be like, what on earth are you on about? But my my opinion as a, as a superbike racer or a motorbike racer in general, I think it's quite valid. Mm. So it's really, really nice to get the opportunity to put your, your point across and you know share with the viewers or whatever mm. you know, what you see and, and, and what you think about what's going on in a, in a certain situation. So, yeah, I'd love to be in, in the paddock is, is the long and the short of it and hopefully... Hopefully it'll still be the motorbike racer, but if it's not, then uh, yeah, we'll carry on as we are. Yeah, well, we'll hope whatever it is for the best, Shaky, and I'm sure you'll do a great job as it, at it as you do everything. We can see why, because he's so determined, and that's been the mark of your career to even be sat here tonight. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 